This is The Guardian. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. The race to become the next Tory leader and UK Prime Minister is in full flight. She's the candidate to beat. Liz Truss, arriving for tonight's debate in Stoke-on-Trent, believes she's already won the battle for hearts and minds among Tory members. And while Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak have clashed on a number of issues during their televised debates, the climate emergency has largely been absent. Green campaigners have pointed out that the next leader of the Tory party will have to convince not just the small group of party members, but also the electorate at large that they are the best candidate to tackle the climate emergency, as public opinion is consistently over 60% in favour of climate action. However, neither of the remaining two candidates have a particularly impressive track record on these issues. There's not much in that suitcase, is there? Like Where's the right? climate finance, Rishi? And I will not rest until the British apple is back at the top of the tree. So who is least bad when it comes to green policies? And why has one of the world's most urgent issues taken a back seat in the leadership contest? I'm Ian Sample, The Guardian's science editor, and this is Science Weekly. Fiona Harvey, you're the Guardian's environment correspondent, and we're here to talk about the Tory leadership candidates. Before we get to them, for all his faults, Boris Johnson was viewed by many Green Tories as their best hope on environmental issues for a long while. He seemed to talk a lot about it, but did he actually do very much? Well, Boris Johnson did actually have a good reputation as a as a Green Tory, and so he did tend to give Green issues quite a good hearing. He did quite a lot on the environment. There were three major environmental acts during his premiership. They were the Environment Act, 
the Agriculture Act and the Fisheries Act. They had some flaws, but they were important pieces uh, of legislation and give us quite a lot to, to build on. He also, of course, was Prime Minister at the time of the COP26 UN Climate Summit in Glasgow, which was a hugely important event and which achieved a lot. A lot of that has been undone since by the uh, war in Ukraine and, and other geopolitical factors. But it was a, a huge, a landmark achievement, and he can take some credit for that. There were a lot of flaws there as well, though. There were some contradictions there. The government also went all out for North Sea oil and gas, for road building, for airport expansion. And we recently had a very critical report from the Committee on Climate Change that said that although the government has world-beating targets, uh, it's not doing enough to deliver them. So it's a kind of mixed picture. It's easy to feel daunted by the scale of the challenge that we face. By sea levels rising, droughts and wildfires spreading, people forced out of their homes. But I look around this hall and I feel optimism. So that's where we are at the moment. Let's move on to the leadership battle and one of the final two, Rishi Sunak. The former Chancellor has recently been at war with Number 10 over net zero. But he did talk a good talk at the major climate conference in the UK last year, COP26. How would you describe the Chancellor's stance on environmental issues? Well, when Boris Johnson was Prime Minister and Rishi Sunak was Chancellor of the Exchequer, it was Rishi Sunak in the Treasury who was blocking a great deal of potential green policy. It's also partly because of the Treasury itself. There's a great deal of inertia in the Treasury. It really didn't see being green as its job. Um, he did come to COP26 in Glasgow. He made some announcements about, you know, how businesses would be held to account a little bit more for their greenhouse gas emissions, but they weren't that dramatic. And the obligations that he was putting on businesses were really quite feeble compared with what he could have done. So really, a lot of that was more showmanship. I mean, if you look at some the only sort of flagship green policy that really came out of the last uh, few years, it was the Green Homes Grant, people to insulate their houses. And that was a total, utter, abject failure. But also, as soon as he could, uh, Rishi Sunak pulled the plug on the money for that. So... Really, you know, you, you can't look back uh, on Rishi Sunak's record and say that it was terribly green. We've had now a number of debates with these PM candidates. And in one of those, Rishi Sunak was basically saying that everything he had learned about the climate seemed to come from his daughters. He was talking about energy efficiency and recycling. He's also talked about faith in British innovation to solve a lot of these problems. What else has he committed to during the leadership push on environmental issues? Very little. And, you know, talking about recycling is really just by the by. Uh, and anyway, uh, recycling rates are not improving. So the government could do a great deal more on that if it actually wanted to. The main policies on net zero are just not there. We just don't have the push to reduce emissions that we really need to. We're, we're doing quite well on a few things. We're doing quite well on uh, offshore wind, 
But again, uh, we could be doing a lot better if the government uh, would put more impetus behind that. And a lot of that comes down to Rishi Sunak when he was at the Treasury. Um, Also, we could be doing an awful lot better on onshore wind. Onshore wind is our cheapest form of energy, but we're not building onshore wind farms, even though people want them. Poll after poll shows that people like onshore wind farms. Rishi Sunak has said he would keep the restrictions in place that prevent the building of more onshore wind farms. So that's just stupid, really, and not green at all. I want to see us eating more British food here in Britain. At the moment, we import two-thirds of all of our apples. We import nine-tenths of all of our pears. We import two-thirds of our cheese. That is a disgrace. Let's move on to Liz Truss. She famously served a two-year stint as Environment Secretary under David Cameron, though she never really seemed to be settled in that role. (laughs) Um, Historically, where does she come from on environmental issues? Where does she stand? Oh, who knows? I've been environment correspondent for such a long time. I, I was there when she was environment secretary, and I can't say that she covered herself in glory in that role. Um, she always looked as if she'd rather be somewhere else. You know, at, at COP26 last year, she did almost nothing about it in advance. And afterwards, she pretty much refused to talk about it, even though it was the biggest diplomatic event on British soil since the Second World War. And when she was at trade, she really only cared about the trade deal. She wasn't worried about what would happen to carbon emissions or to biodiversity. That was always second place to her. She also cut subsidies for solar farms, I think, in 2014. She called them a a blight on the landscape. And she's got some pretty prominent net zero sceptics among her supporters. Do do you think they will have any influence on her? Yeah, I think that's the concern here. I mean, the concern is not what these candidates are saying in public. It's the deals that they're doing behind the scenes to get people's support and to get votes. So that's the really difficult thing. And what we need to look at is who these candidates are going to put in key positions of influence And that's really important. That will tell us a lot about what they plan to really do. During the leadership debates, she did commit to the net zero policy, but she said a few things around that. She said we need to find better ways to deliver net zero and find ways that won't harm people and businesses. That language seems pretty vague to me. I mean, what do you think she means by comments like that? Well, we do need to find better ways to deliver net zero because uh, the government hasn't brought forward enough policies to deliver net zero. But if you're looking at better ways, then you'd look at things like onshore wind and you'd look at things like uh, home insulation. And she's not. The really important thing here is that she has seen a need to present herself as green. And we should be wary about that because, you know, for both of these candidates, I think a lot of this is just uh, skin deep. While on one hand, that's, you know, that's really dangerous for, for green issues. On the other, it does mean that there's a kind of opportunity here. You know, we've seen that Conservative Party members do care about this. We've also seen that the wider electorate really cares about this. It's also crucial to the cost of living crisis. 
you can't solve the cost of living crisis without solving the energy crisis. And the only way to do that is through lower carbon forms of energy. Reliance on gas has got us into this trouble in the first place. So they've got to have a convincing story on the cost of living. And there's only really one way to do that. Finally, Fiona, we're down to two. We've got Rishi Sunak, we've got Liz Truss. The big question, who do you pick out, if you had to, between those two, purely on their environmental stance? I'm not a Conservative Party member, so I don't get to vote for either of them. So uh, it's, it's really, there's no point in asking me. I'm afraid that neither of them really stands out. But there really is a chance now. What they really need to do is convince businesses because most businesses in this country don't want U-turns all over the place on net zero policy. Businesses have made their investment decisions around it and they want to see the government continue with that. And whoever is through will need to convince businesses that they are bringing forward the policies necessary. Fiona Harvey, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks again to my guest, Fiona Harvey. We've put links to Fiona's articles on climate change, including a ranking of all the Tory leadership contestants in relation to their stances on environmental issues, in the description to this podcast. In more cheery news, you may have heard that England reached the final of the Women's Euro 2022 Tuesday night. And to celebrate our new Women's Football Weekly podcast, hosted by Faye Carruthers and writer Susie Rack, we'll be releasing a special bonus episode on Friday to preview the final. They'll also be back for another episode on Sunday night, recorded straight after the final at Wembley. So make sure to search, listen and subscribe to The Guardian's Women's Football Weekly, wherever you get your podcasts. And that's it for today. The producer was George Cooper, with additional production from Anand Jagatia. The sound design was by Tony Onochuku. And the executive producer was Max Sanderson. We'll be back on Tuesday. See you then. This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash 
Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.